Hi, you're listening to Go See a Show, New York City's independent theater podcast. If you're a typical American theater goer, you've likely encountered the works of Anton Chekhov, and more than likely, in translation into English. I don't think it's overly presumptuous of me to assume that many of us don't speak the original Russian. But this is New York City. After all, just about every language found in the world is spoken here. And in this unique production of Chekhov's The Cherry Orchard, currently running at Under St. Mark's, you can hear nine distinct languages. I spoke with some of the cast and creative team after a recent production to get an insight into why. I'll let them introduce themselves. Take a listen. Welcome to the podcast. Let me know who you are and uh, what you did on this production of The Cherry Orchard. Ooh. Hi, I'm Amy Hardwing, and I played Varya. Hi, I'm Rosalind Finley. I was the Wayfair, one of the producers and the assistant director. Hi, I'm Elena. Uh, Elena Luzonski. I'm, I played Luba Vandrevna. Hi, I'm Laih Sijias, and I was Dunyasha. I am Dunyasha right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Joe Staten. I'm playing Semenov Pishtik. Hi, my name is Anya, Anya Valet-Chang, and my, my pronouns are they, them. I am the producer, the initiator of the Cherry Orchard, and I am playing Anya in the play. How convenient. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm Frank Pagliaro, and I'm the director of the Cherry Orchard. What I should have done is made you all introduce yourselves in the tongues <laughs> that you use in the show, because uh, who wants to give us, uh, what is the... The quick uh, down and dirty explanation, if you're going to like tell somebody, hey, come see our production of The Cherry Orchard, what's your quick pitch? And I'm assuming part of the um, the show's presentation style will be part of that pitch, right? Yes, so our production is a multilingual adaptation. We have eight languages spoken on the stage. And the whole idea of having a multilingual adaptation is to celebrate all the different cultures, different languages. and in this city, in this city that celebrates a lot of like the diverse ba- the cultural backgrounds, we want people to feel like they can find a seat in this theater. They can find a sense of belonging when they when they hear the languages that they're familiar being spoken on the stage. So that is kind of the idea. Also, I would like to use this project to support my fellow actors who are international students who are trying to stay in the US because we it's going to take a lot of time <laughs> to stay in the US to take a lot of work to get the artist visa. So this production are for them. It's for them. I want them to stay here and I want to do what I can to help them to stay here. I think it's for all of us. I mean, I, I feel like it was for me, too, as somebody in the audience. Um, I'm hoping I can get the director and assistant director to comment uh, a little bit about this idea of the multicultural component, or excuse me, the multilingual component, because as I was watching it, it struck me that uh, we have... I know what you're saying. You you have super titles, so don't worry. If you don't speak all eight languages, you will be fine when you come to see this production of The Cherry Orchard. But... I kept thinking, wow, they understand each other, but they're not speaking the same language, <laughs> which was really made sense as to why you would do this with the cherry orchard. Can you talk a little bit about that uh, from the directorial side? Yeah, I mean, I think um, Chekhov is, uh, in, in, in most of his plays, people are talking to one another, um, but not understanding one another, not really closely listening um, and and... You know, there's there's a lot of miscommunication. There's a lot of misconnection, and so 
I think uh, uh, it, it lends itself to this kind of adaptation um, because, yeah, people are hearing each other, but but maybe not understanding each and other on a very deep it. level. Yeah, and because everyone responds, there's no like, well, what, what, I don't understand that language. They, they, we yes. aren't playing with that. They understand each other. But yeah, I, I, I always, I've always felt like when I read any adaptation of, the, of or excuse me, any translation of mm-hmm. Chekhov on the page, it feels like non sequitur, non sequitur. Like, why are you saying that in response to that? Yes. It doesn't, it, once you do it in performance, oh, that's, like, it opens up. But yeah, yes. so like having the, that language component on top of it was really exciting for me as a theater nerd sitting in here. Yeah, I mean, one of, you know, some of the feedback that I was, nervous about getting was it seems like they're all in a different play um but again i i think in a lot of chekhov's worlds that he builds with these scripts people are really living in their own little lanes and they're trying desperately to get into one another's lanes but they again they miss so many times that you know it's like they they're failing to merge onto each other's (laughs) highways um so yeah I, i i um it was quite a trip to to sit with this script for so long. Um, I don't, there probably isn't anybody in the world other than me and Roz who could run those subtitles yeah. accurately. <laughs> and Roz oh, is in the show. Y'all were, yeah. y'all were the ones who were clicking the buttons. I was, I was oh, okay. on the Google yeah, slides, yeah. The we have like 800 Google slides yeah. with <laughs> the whole text. So uh, yeah, as you noted, uh, it would, you kind of need to have the script in front of you and or speak all these words and or know this, the play intimately as you two do. Can you talk to me about that from the actor perspective? Because I'm assuming all of you on stage don't speak all eight languages no. and you are interacting with folks. And I yeah. kept having, a, oh, is it eight? Is it English plus eight? <laughs> so yes. so yeah. I kept yeah. having these moments of thinking like, that, that's, I'm really impressed. They know when the previous actor is done. And of course, you rehearse, you, you can figure that stuff out. I've heard of people doing shows in languages they don't even speak, right? So we yeah. can all, we're professionals. You are all trained professional actors. But that's gotta be a trip, right? Like. I get this person speaking Romanian to me, and then this person is speaking English, and this person is speaking French, and no, wait, now they're speaking Mandarin. Like, what is going on? It's it's really funny. At one point, uh, Elena and Nando are on stage speaking Spanish and Romanian, and backstage, someone says to me, "Which scene is this?" And I was like, "I have no idea. I don't know what they're saying." <laughs> <laughs> um, I can answer that a little bit. I'm a bit lucky because I speak um, uh, Latin language, so for me. Um, especially when I interact with Nando in Spanish, I I can understand some of the cues that he's giving me, um, and s- the same thing with French, um, Portuguese as well. But um, I would say you really have to pay attention. And I know as actors, that's one of the things that we're taught first: listening. But here, you really have to listen. And it's not only for your cue line, but it's also the, the body language. It's the, the inflection of the voice, you know, to realize. Because for me, personally, the hardest was to interact with Mandarin and Japanese for obvious reasons. Sonically, it's not what you're used to. Yes, exactly. So I had to get different different cues, and I feel like it develops every single night, especially my interaction with Liam. I, I feel like it's always slightly different, and he's like adding up something more that I can hang on to and just... He plays your brother? Yes, he plays right. my brother, um, Gaev. So uh, it's very... 
interesting and funny, but I, I, never, I never feel like I'm gonna fail. Like, I think we got to that point and we were, I'm so grateful for all these people that just put in the work and I never feel like I'm, I'm just gonna, I don't know. Yeah. Trip and fall, and there's nobody gonna catch me. No, I always feel very sleepy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They all put in a remarkable amount of work on that front. Yeah. We did have like a two week break around the holidays, so people could visit family and you know do holiday things. And so we made a quick time recording of the whole text. Yes. And I was like, you know, do that cliched thing you see in the movie where some guy is trying to learn a language of a girl that he likes just like <laughs> put it in your headphones and go to yeah. bed listening to it nice. and yeah. uh, I, I think that they did because when they came back from that break like it was it was there I mean that's what I do when I learned English in the first place is just basically listening every single day my mom would put on the recording like of some text in the, in the morning like it's all about it's all about listening and just when you listen and then you understand like for me i on, i can only understand mandarin and japanese so most of the time when people are speaking i have absolutely no idea what they're, what they're speaking <laughs> but it's just but one of my voice and speech teacher she actually said uh, her name is teresa and she actually said that it's not about the words mm. when you're communicating with people 70% is the body language, actually. And then 25% is the tone. And only 5% is the words, actual words. So, yeah. I think a lot of what really helped all the languages come together is the amount of table work that we did. It does seem like you would have had to spend a lot of oh, time yeah. taking on sex, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we started rehearsing in October on the weekends for about four hours every day. And it was just us going over the languages. First, we were speaking it in English just so we could get a feel of it. And then we started speaking with the Mandarin, Japanese, followed by the English. And it was just a lot of talking, 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 getting that language inside our bodies. And we did it for quite a while. <laughs> but I think in the end, that's what really helped us be able to look at someone being spoke to in Portuguese and being able to, as someone who's really a, a, a monolingual person, being able to understand it backstage. Mm -hmm. Because it's gotten to the point where I can be backstage and someone's like, oh, where are we? And I'm like, oh, well, let me listen for a second. Oh, Elena's about to say musica. <laughs> so so uh, Nando, who's playing Trofimov, is about to go on along with Anya and Varya, who is being played by Amy. And it's just just it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot who did all this translating the actors did so yeah, you did it of, of, I did note there was one thank you in the program for I, I believe somebody probably helped for you a little bit yes yeah. so I used um, I adapted a little bit a uh, translation already made by Masha Dinescu um, and yeah it's I, I just the, the only thing that I did was tiny bit modernizing um, the words just it's easier clearer for people to understand what are we talking about mm. uh, so not such a old language right mm -hmm. yeah, for me for, sorry for me French French is actually my second language uh, I, I lived in France when I was a kid and I definitely am not at the level where I can translate myself so I had to buy a French version of the book and go through mm -hmm. it line by line 
and uh, this was nerve-wracking because it's like the Shakespeare English, but like Chekhov French. It was like, what is this? And Amy, who is uh, Canadian French, so it's two different kinds of French, we had lots of discussions like, what does this mean? (laughs) Why is it phrased like this? So there was a lot of modernizing that had to be done or just translated into English when it suited me. So we, we all really made it our own. Yeah, much of it. The English was based roughly on a Constance Garnett translation, but I was also consulting Paul Schmidt and um, Larissa Pivir and, and, and her partners. I, I, at one point, I had like the computer and like four different <laughs> scripts in front of me. Um, and so, yeah, then a lot of the actors did take that English and, and, and translate it. But then, yeah, we had people kind of looking at their own as well. May I ask whose idea was it to do this? Uh, it was on this is all yours, okay. Mine. I got this idea from a Japanese movie called Drive My Car. It's literally like the Japanese translate, it's just the sound of Drive My Car. So in that adaptation, uh, no, in that movie, they actually did a adaptation of Chekhov's Uncle Vanya in several different languages. But I personally, I personally feel like they're their adaptation is kind of limited because they, they are only finding people from South, from East mm-hmm. Asia and Southeast Asia. But we have everyone from the entire world. Why don't yeah. we use that? Why don't we use that? We can make this more, like more colorful, more vibrant. We can have so much differences and we can just celebrate that. So that's that's one thing I'm just like thinking. And as for the Cherry Orchard, the Cherry Orchard is, is an interesting play. Like Frank usually say like it's about home and all of us, we are far away from home. Like mostly, mostly we're not from New York. Some of us are not from this country. We're just trying to find a place to stay here. And mm. this is our way fighting to stay in this country. So yeah. yeah. It is very much about yeah. change too. So oh, in, yes. uh, at a moment geopolitically, I feel like it changes a thing we've got to deal with. <laughs> yeah. um, it was also, it's just a great, most, all of us in this group trained at Stella Adler and, and that kind of training lends itself especially to this kind of text to, to check off and you know, some of the, the older the Russians and then, you know, <laughs> the Ibsens and, and, and all of that. So it, it, was, it was great to have that common language in the rehearsal room. Any surprising stuff come up as you were rehearsing in the sense of like, oh my gosh, like the fact that we're saying these words in different languages, like kind of did any, any sparks come out of uh, the rehearsal process because of that? Any particular, I'm, I'm just curious about how rehearsing this was for y'all. <laughs> I mean, personally, like for the translations, like because in East Asian culture, we really do not say love that huh. often. Oh, we do okay. not say that. Well. We usually, when we say we we fancy someone, we say we like someone. That's like the most thing. You definitely do not say that to your parents, to your family members. It's just mm. like like for example, my parents never even kissed in front of me. I'm 26 years old. I've never seen that. So that is something. That is something. It's really. It really needs to be considered. Like, how do I make this sound okay in my own language? Because whenever I say, "Oh, I love you, Mama. I love you, Uncle," 
It felt weird because we do not say that, but we do not. But we do say, "We're very proud of you. We're very, very proud of you." Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. just. And that, I just feel like that sort of idea really probably inflected how you then interacted with your fellow characters. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I feel like, I mean. Maybe that's just me. Like as Chinese, it's just like subtle. Like Amy here, Amy is from is of Vietnamese background. She also knows like the subtlety of the East Asian Southeast Asian culture. Yeah. yeah so. I think what really helped me was um, this is the kind of show that you really have to be connected, mm-hmm. stay connected, and focused on your uh, partner. So to me, beyond all the languages and everything, but I felt really connected. The more we rehearsed, the more I was feeling connected. And I think from the end of the, until the end of the season, we'll be totally connected. And I, mm-hmm. I think we can do more performances around the world. <laughs> yeah, it would be yes. amazing to yeah to to yeah, play in Brazil. Oh yes, let's yes. do it. Yeah. Right. Right. This, yeah. This was my this was my first time ever performing in French. I'd never done a, a show in French before. I've been speaking it since I was like six, but never done a show in French before. And one thing that really struck me when I started doing it in first rehearsals is I express myself differently mm-hmm. in French than I do in English, mm-hmm. and that was kind of like a mind fuck sometimes coming off stage. Like, what just happened? That was really <laughs> yeah. So that was very surprising. For me, um, did in it that help sense. you like tap into the character at all? Or yes, because I am not like I am not <laughs> like, <laughs> like when when I first read it, I was like, Frank, why do you want me to play this character? <laughs> this is not who I am at all. <laughs> but adding, acting, my dear boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think when when most people think of Pichetik, they don't think Joe Staden would be great in this role. I don't know. It's weird. But the French. I mean, we're all, as you say, it's acting, dear boy. We're all putting on a character when we're doing a show. And the French was kind of like just another layer of that. Like, and, you know, I chose to say some uh, lines in English to sort of add doubts that maybe he's not really French. Maybe he just thinks it makes him look better than he is. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So, yeah, it was really, really cool. Yeah. 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 Actually, I do have something to say about that. I I don't know why it didn't occur to me now. Uh, This is the first time I'm speaking in my, my native language. Uh, I started theater when I came to New York seven years ago, so I never got to act in my own language. And that came with like really interesting struggles because I didn't really, like, I don't know who Elena is as, you know, like the Romanian actor. So that, no, I mean, now I know, but I, <laughs> you know, going the through the process. I was I was so almost confused, but you know, going back to my roots and then going into then then certain words and this this play like in the beginning I was an emotional mess. It was I, the entire time I would like discover another word that like would mean so much to me that like start sobbing. So um, yeah, I think this is the mind blowing thing for me. Besides having my brother speak Japanese, which is always an absolute delight. Uh, <laughs> always. Yeah. All this beautifulness. I was drunk. 
<laughs> well, you're in the right play. Uh, yeah. At least you got that going for you. Yeah. Um, this is just really, this is really fun and really cool, and I really appreciate you all sharing your insights into what it was like to do something so beautiful but also unique. Uh, I had, I can't remember the last time I saw a show done in such a way. So this was really interesting and, and a wonderful way to spend my Sunday afternoon. Just a few more performances to catch this production of the Cherry Orchard at Under St. Mark's. Uh, dates are, does anyone have them at the top of their head? Yes, um, our next show is on the 22nd, and we do still have a few tickets left over from that, but the 24th and the 27th are completely sold out. Oh, wow, so here I am like, oh boy, i got to get this out, so <laughs> but, you, you don't need my help. We we we've had no shows. We've had no so. shows, yeah. Yes. Get on the list. Come and, yeah, yes, come and get on the waiting list. Awesome. So uh, tickets and more information can be found oh, at... Sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, we also have a streaming service for the 27th for those who ah, want to catch it yes. online. And instead of $20, it's 15 Yeah. So, Frigid does some good streaming, y'all, so it's yeah. cool that we have that hookup. So yeah, uh, frig- at frigid.nyc.com. Uh, that's <laughs> where it is. Just search up the Cherry Orchard. It's the only one that's going to pop up. And... Yeah, you can see it in person on the 22nd, or you can see it on streaming on the 27th. Amazing. Um, tickets and more information could be found at, is there a website? It's yeah. frigid.nyc. Uh, NYC, okay. Yeah. Oh, yes, we are also on Instagram yes. at uh, the Cherry Orchard NYC. Yes. I made the Instagram and I can't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> I can't Listen, even remember. It's on my phone. It's like nobody remembers phone numbers anymore. Now we yeah, don't even right. have to remember our Instagram handles. Uh, we won't have to remember our own names. <laughs> yeah. We're getting there. Hopefully. Just look uh, at the random weirdos in the photos and that's probably us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for doing this. And Thank you. Uh, keep breaking Thank some you. legs. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you, Amy, Elena, Anya, Laecha, Joe, Rosalind, and Frank for hanging out to chat. You can catch this multilingual adaptation of Anton Chekhov's The Cherry Orchard at Frigid New York's Under St. Mark's Theater, 94 St. Mark's Place in Manhattan, through January 27, 2024. As noted in the interview, tickets may be sold out on paper, but there is a waiting list, so if you get there in time, you might be able to sneak in via the waiting list. And, of course, there's also that streaming option that was mentioned. Reach out to the team via Instagram at the underscore cherry underscore orchard underscore NYC and get more info on the Frigid website, frigid.nyc. Thanks to you for listening into the podcast. If you dig it, please like it on Facebook, facebook.com slash go see a show and rate and or comment on the show's Apple Podcasts page. That goes a long way to helping people find the show. My name is Robert A.K. Gagno. You can find me on the internet at Robert Gagno, G-O-N-Y-O dot com. Until next time, go see a show. Amazing. Thanks again. Really appreciate you guys Thank doing you. this. Thank you. Awesome.